Welcome to the Healthcare IT Today CIO Podcast. I'm John Lynn, the founder and chief editor at Healthcare IT Today, and I'm excited to bring you the most practical healthcare CIO insights and perspectives. We know your job is challenging and we want to help you be more successful. And our guest today is Jesse Fasolo. He's Director, Technology, Infrastructure, and Cybersecurity, Information Security Officer at St. Joseph's Health. Welcome, Jesse. Thank you, John. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, so I'm excited to dive into security. Uh, you know, I think coming out of all the hymns and Vive conferences, uh, security was top of mind for everyone. So uh, before we dive into that, though, tell us a little bit about yourself and St. Joseph's Health. Uh, absolutely. Uh, so uh, my name is Jesse Fasolo, of course. Um, I've been in technology for approximately 25 years at this point. I've seen it all. Uh, I'm not a. I'm not. Uh, the master of everything, but uh, I, I have been through all of the infrastructure, the software, software development, uh, infrastructure, as I said, uh, security um, and compliance as well. So I, I've kind of been through it uh, in my current role for St. Joseph's. I serve, uh, it's an undercared, underprivileged uh, hospital system in New Jersey. Uh, we have about a thousand beds, uh, two acute care facilities, um, and roughly about 5,000 employees that we serve. Awesome. Well, it's amazing. You have a good ex background and experience. So, you know, you've been through a lot, but what do you say keeps you up at night? Well, I can say uh, coming into healthcare keeps me up at night um, <laughs> from previous uh, organizations and industries. I came uh, from legal and banking and finance into healthcare. Okay. Um, so I did have some of the uh, stressors of compliance and security around banking uh, sure. and then transitioning into healthcare. It's a whole new world. Um, you know, everything is patient related. Everything is connected to the care and quality of patient care um, and, and how a patient uh, is, is treated at your organization. So if there is a cybersecurity issue, it's directly impacting patients. So uh, that's really, truly the 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 overall uh, importance of uh, what keeps me up at night is really if something goes wrong, we then uh, as a direct effect uh, cannot care for our patients as well as we could. Um, and then on an infrastructure perspective, uh, the world is ever changing. Um, backup strategies are one of the biggest topics nowadays because of cybersecurity. Um, mm -hmm. So being able to restore, recover, um, if there is ever an instance um, uh, or issue, um, and then just the scope of technology nowadays is growing um, uh, more than it has with cloud, with on-premise, off-premise, SaaS solutions, third-party, fourth-party. Uh, you know, how do you get your hands around all of that and and ensure it's one uh, going to run and operate as, as as needed and meet your SLAs as well as be secure for your organization. Yeah, I mean, you bring up such an important point about what we're doing in healthcare and the impact of the work we do, uh, which is a reason to be in healthcare <laughs> that I hear a lot, but it's also a reason to keep you up at night. That's interesting. How, how different is healthcare from these other industries? I mean, we, everyone's like, well, finance can do this. Why can't we? You know, is it that much different or do you, do you see a lot of commonalities? Well, on a, on a technology perspective, um, you know, when you when you look at and compare finance and banking to a healthcare system, one uh, healthcare has an EHR EMR system that has all your medical record information. Um, on a banking, they have a processing, a centralized system to do all your bank processing, all your customer information, uh, all your loan information. It's similar, um, and so those most uh, very very critical systems on both sides. Um, run the show, so to speak. Uh, the whole organization is operating from those central points. Um, on the technology side, uh, both you know, still sustain, still have the SaaS offerings or on-premise offerings, yeah. still require uh, high loads 
uh, high capabilities of uh, storage and uh, CPU and memory. Um, and then on the security side, it's it's really different regulations. Um, in healthcare, you're really tied to HIPAA and high tech and, um, and others. And then in finance, you're really tied to SOX compliance, PCI compliance. Um, and there's overlap, right? And um, what worked well for me is really understanding compliance from a finance level and then transitioning into healthcare and you know, kind of saying, oh, this isn't too much different. I did the same type of annual assessments and ongoing compliance yeah. assessments and it kind of transitioned. So um, I would say anyone out there, banking and finance, those are great. Um, great, great as comparatives, uh, they, they are similar. Uh, I think the benefit here is, uh, you know, obviously if there's a downtime or an issue incident happening with a bank, and typically banks are closed at six o'clock and they go to a call center. Um, yeah, I don't know any healthcare system that closes at six o'clock and goes to a call center. <laughs> um, you know, so, so there's a much higher level of uh, criticality with a healthcare system to, to deal with. Yeah. So what have you done to kind of sleep better at night? Are there some technologies that really have helped you, you know, feel more comfort around the risks associated? Yeah, absolutely. Um, for, for me personally, uh, I think it's one building and establishing a framework and a program around cybersecurity in your organization. Uh, and then since I oversee technology infrastructure is really going through your technology and ensuring that you are up to date. Um, a lot of organizations really try to uh, get the most out of all of their technology and really go too far where um, they're losing uh, the ability to upgrade firmwares and softwares, and they're leaving themselves vulnerable and uh, dependent on these legacy systems. So you really need to invest in technology infrastructure to get to the uh, place where you can support new technology and be in compliance with these, uh, these changes and, and vulnerabilities that are found in all systems. Um, and then on the security side is really establishing and aligning your organization's program with um, a framework that you can follow. And then uh, you can assess yourself against that framework annually or biannually or quarterly and continuously improve. Um, some of the areas is really educating uh, your staff, your employees. Uh, I think education is paramount nowadays because things are changing. Everyone is busy um, and it's 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 prevalent in the environment where healthcare is one of the most sought after uh, by bad actors. So you need your staff to be educated on what to do, what to see, what to look at. Um, and then um, I, I think also looking at your partners. Um, your partners in healthcare is one of the most important things to look at for, for us at St. Joseph's. It's an eye-opener coming here and seeing, uh, wow, we have hundreds and hundreds of partners that we rely on and then how to go through them methodically and secure them and do risk assessments on them and then uh, do security checkpoints on them and make sure the contract agreements are sound in, in yeah. your favor. Um, so all of those areas, I think are, are what tries what I try to do to keep myself sleeping at night. <laughs> but of course, um, you know, in technology and cybersecurity, I, I hope uh, everyone leaves the ringer on and they don't just go to sleep because I don't and uh, I'm always awake. Yeah. No, it's a good point, though. And I'd heard you talk on another interview about that you were a fan of NIST, which, you know, is an interesting framework, you know, and really detail oriented from my experience. So why do you like the NIST framework? Um, overall, there's there's a ton of benefits um, for for NIST's uh, framework in order to make sure, one, you're compliant, um, make sure, two, you have the security controls and competencies in your team, in your department um, that 
ensure you're closing these vulnerabilities and these gaps in security. Uh, I think that's paramount. Um, it kind of sets, and I think I've said this uh, in other uh, spaces, it kind of gives you the, the breadcrumbs. It kind of leads you down the path to ensure that you're, you are succeeding from a security posture. Um, and again, what is success? Uh, you know, compliance, uh, com complacency, um, you know, there's a certain level uh, of uh, being compliant and being achieving in that. And then there's also being beyond that, where that NIST program, uh, if you do assess yourself against it, you can uh, incrementally move your, uh, your uh, levels uh, much higher uh, past just being compliant. Uh, and have automation, have reporting, and have metrics to actually ensure that uh, the things you're saying you do, that you actually do, and measure them with quality, uh, and then try to improve upon them every year. Um, for, for us at St. Joseph's, it's really, uh, it enables a, a really long-term successful cybersecurity and risk management strategy, um, just aligning with it and sticking with it. And of course, things change, right? The cybersecurity NIST, uh, uh, CSF cybersecurity framework, uh, is evolving each year, each two years, it upgrades, it changes, uh, it adds new components that are relevant uh, to security. It also changes things like password requirements uh, being changed and lax because they, they're finding that, that um, the, the, if it's too strong and people are you know, obviously writing down their passwords and, and doing other things. So, so it's, a, it's a good process to have in a department. Um, and obviously, uh, you know, it's almost required at this point. Yeah, well, I think what's interesting is NIST is really complicated. <laughs> there's a lot of levels. I think there's, a, there's like maturity levels that you go through, I think, with NIST. And, and tracking that is, is a challenge. So what do you do? Are, are you doing that on your own? Do you, is it death by Excel or using partners? How, you know, what, what's your advice on, on, on tracking this and making sure you're, follow, you know, you're complying with the NIST guidelines? Absolutely. I, honestly, um, when I came to St. Joseph's, uh, Excel spread. I, I can't tell you how many Excel spreadsheets that we use to track uh, different, you know, uh, whether it's just the vulnerabilities and risks or um, just where we are in a program um, and, and kind of red, green, yellow uh, method. But um, nowadays you can't rely on that. There's too much. Uh, any given organization has hundreds or thousands of uh, uh, pieces of equipment that are vulnerable and you have to track and upgrade or, or do things to them to, to ensure your compliance. Um, so really you need a software. And uh, for St. Joseph's, uh, we sought to uh, acquire a Comply Assistant. Uh, they help us really um, put everything in one single location. Uh, it gives us a dashboard that allows us to import, um, whether it's our personal assessments, uh, going through the tool and doing our assessments, or if it's a third party assessment that we have outsourced and we take that finding and we ingest it into the system mm. um, and we align it with NIST. And um, so, so we compare uh, what we have, what we found to NIST, we get an output and then we put recommendations and the, the quality, the, the good thing about this is we can assign uh, individuals to it and track progress and ensure that we're consistently moving forward. I think when you do the Excel method or the list method or uh, any other method outside of using a software, you lose track, uh, you lose sight of what's what really your risks are. Um, and the output of this is a true risk level, right? Your organization based on your compliance to the NIST standard or NIST framework, you come out of the outside of that with a, with a percentage of how compliant you are. And of course you could always improve. Um, even if you're hundred percent compliant, you're still, yeah. 
you're 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 at the middle mark we talked about levels um, <laughs> that's um, interesting you know it, it, you could still improve upon that and that, i think that's the goal um that most organizations should strive for instead of just being compliant and complacent right in the middle is really improving um and, and making their their um you know metrics that you can monitor and manage those uh all of those findings in, in this framework I love that there's just a framework of where do I start? Because there's so many things you could do, right? So I think it's interesting you're using Comply Assistant to kind of track that. Do you also use that to kind of go to your executive leadership to help them understand about the progress you made? Or you know, how do you do that for you know, getting buy-in from executive leadership is always a challenge with security. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, so I, I think going to executive leadership with... Um, technical, very high technical data or very um, uh, risk-based um, assessment from either yourself or a third party, they really, um, obviously there's, there's things that work well for an executive level, where if you're a technical person or in cybersecurity, you obviously need the, the metrics and the numbers and, and the specifics, but presenting something like uh, where you are in compliance with either HIPAA or NIST um, for example, uh, a tool gives you the ability to do gar graphs and bar graphs and uh, percentages and, and really even color code it to the point where each area within this framework, whether it's recover, identity, protect, detect, or respond, that you could really um, zero in on where you need help and what products uh, as an output from that assessment that you should be looking at. And that really drives the uh, overall strategy for for that team, right? So cybersecurity then looks at where you are, what your assessment, what it found. Um, for example, maybe your third-party assessment uh, is not up to date or up to up to speed or snuff, and you really need to focus on that. So you, then you start looking out, like, what do I need to be able to facilitate this? Whether it's people, whether it's a product, um, whether it's just timing, whether it's aligning with the business, building relationships ensuring that you're in place in the legal team, ensuring that before purchases and acquisition happen, that you're top center uh, of mind to them to make sure security is in, 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 the, in the room. Um, but that's really how I use the, the data that comes out of these tools. That's great. So I find it interesting that you're both the infrastructure and security. I think that's pretty unique. I haven't seen that from a lot of people. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. Like is cloud or on-premise more secure? And maybe more importantly, like how are they different from a security perspective? Yeah, um, it's it's a good question that you have there, and it's uh, it's almost semi-loaded because all of it is is has the uh, ability to be vulnerable and, and not yeah. secure. Everything's insecure um, potentially. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Everything is. Um, so so on a on an on-premise versus a cloud environment. Um, you know, on-premise, you have the controls over what you have in your place, in your environment. Um, and whether that's uh, all brand new environments, all up-to-date softwares and operating systems, it's really under your control. Um, you accept the risk. You alone and your team um, know what needs to be done as far as what needs to be upgraded, what's legacy, what do you have to put more security controls around. Um, where if you were a cloud, um, looking at the cloud, um, it does offer security. It does offer a lot of capabilities. Um, but what you what you lack is insight into what they're doing on their end, mm. um, what what controls they have, what what are the ongoing processes that they do, um, and then changes to their software. Sometimes um, cloud providers they send you changes, you know, 
via a notice and you know it's out of sight out of mind sometimes where you know if you miss a very critical update or you miss a setting or you miss a configuration um, you could essentially have a more insecure area uh, by migrating to the cloud. I think the biggest factor that I tell um, everyone is before you adopt cloud forward is really train and develop your team that's going to be managing that mm. because um, what I found is when you do transition and move things, move workloads to the cloud, you have to do it in a secure way. Um, and obviously just jumping in there for the first time, uh, you know, setting things, uh, it's almost guessing at that point. And they make it easy, uh, but I think that's the, the other area that I would be concerned about in a cloud instance. Um, and then when we talk about cloud, you know, there's there's these big cloud providers, obviously that offer solutions to to for your um, for your environments to be able to transition to them, and you manage them in their cloud. But then there's cloud. When I think of cloud, I also consider SaaS solutions that they're hosting your product in their environment, um, in yeah. their data centers. Um, it might not be one of the big three. It, it's just a infrastructure offering that they offer, and that's a, again uh, an even more concerning. Um, Avenue, and you see this in the in the news now. These uh, vendors, security vendors, or supply chain vendors that are being impacted by security issues, um, directly affecting healthcare. Uh, but again, consider them as cloud. Consider them as third party hosted. Um, you don't know what's going on. You don't know what their controls are. You don't know um, what has happened. Um, and sometimes, you know, we we feel the the brunt of it in healthcare. Um, and then you have to do one of two things. You have to really accept it reassess them, understand what happened. Um, you know, I would say most organizations that do go through an issue have the most robust security program thereafter. Um, so sometimes, sometimes I, I, yeah, I say, hey, you know, give them a chance. Uh, they could come out of this, um, you know, and, and become even better than your, your next uh, consideration. Um, or, you know, other third parties or fourth parties. Um, and like I just mentioned, fourth parties is another area of concern. Um, these hosting providers, who are they having uh, contracted to work for them or in their environment or connected to their environment? Because that's just another level of complexity that you have to be concerned about when you're going to, going to think about cloud. How do you address those fourth level? Is it just really asking the right questions to, uh, to you know, your partners or how do you do it? Um, I think the most important time to ask those questions is before you sign a contract. Yeah, um, that. I, I, that's really how you catch them um, and, and how the, the product is being utilized, how the workflow, how the data flow. Um, uh, I think leaders really need to be at the table understanding how it works before they execute on the, on the contract. Um, you know, a couple times in my life, I've had the opportunity to uh, be handed a project that was already purchased and then you look at it and you say, wow, this, this is not secure. Now we have to go back and to the drawing board with the vendor and try to figure out how to do this in a secure method or fashion. Um, I think that's the one of the most important things to uh, look at. Yeah, security has got to be part of procurement for sure. So, you know, it's interesting. The world of technology is changing. Uh, you know, like this is something we talk a lot about at Healthcare IT Today. You even mentioned it, right? About how quickly everything's evolving. So, what do you do to kind of stay ahead of others in your work and to make sure you're on top of all these changes? I don't sleep. <laughs> sleep is for the week. You can sleep when you die. What's your card? <laughs> um, so, so that's a that's a joke, but. Um, in honesty, uh, I think 
if you know where you are and as far as your program or your technology capabilities, um, it, it's really a, a baseline or a foundation of where you are in the world um, of technology and cybersecurity. And, and you know um, that you need to be somewhere in the future um, more advanced, more capable, more compliant, um, less risk, and you need to strive for that destination. And I think um, for me, it's, it's really absorbing listening to uh, as many podcasts on security or technology or healthcare, IT, or um, really focus on what others are doing. Um, I, I'm a big advocate for not reinventing the wheel. If there's yeah. been huge successes elsewhere, odds are if you, if you start looking down that path, you may uh, assume those risks or, or assume those successes as well. Um, uh, aligning with big, uh, very big partners that are successful in the industry. So best of breed for some uh, circumstances, like in cybersecurity, there's best of breed uh, organizations and software that healthcare um, nowadays should be looking towards and adopting. Um, and those cover all different types of solutions, um, whether it's identity management or um, a governance product or uh, endpoint detection or um, encryption or email protection, uh, you name it. Um, but you should be looking at these products and making sure one, um, they align and they all work together, right? Because there's no reason to have something on an island that doesn't really help its other partners. Making sure all these product suites work together, share the data, um, and then um, really grow that program. Uh, from from that point forward, uh, but what I do is I, I typically look at all all the the trends that are coming down the Gartner trend, um, the the hype curve. Look at the product suites that are aligned with that and coming down those pipes as well, and do my own assessment. Um, does that fit into my program? Does that does that match what my next step in my roadmap looks like? And if it is, start looking at the product and all the competitors. Um, at that point, you should have a good understanding of who the top two are, who the middle two are, who the bottom two are. Um, and with that information, then start bringing in the vendors for conversations with how, how it works, what's the, the cost of them. Um, and then again, go back and do your business assessment on, can we afford it? Do we have to plan for it in the future? Is it something we need emergently because of a, a, a something in the industry? For example, um, uh, COVID uh, really drove uh, healthcare uh, to really start securing a lot of their uh, endpoints in a different way, and, and healthcare found money to do it. Um, it was just a, a necessity at that point because you couldn't survive uh, a sustained an outage or an issue. So you know, using using current events and then um, using the data and um, uh, insight that you've already looked at to then start picking vendors and bringing them in. But um, at the end of the day, you always have to be learning in this environment. Um, you know, healthcare doesn't change. Healthcare on the medical side and clinical side, you always have to be cutting edge and learning the new um, procedures. Same thing in technology. You really need to know the new technologies that are coming down the pipe because that'll actually help you in the end from a healthcare perspective, treat your patients and care for patients. Yeah. Well, and you make such a good point. I, I haven't met a single security person that wasn't willing to share, you know, like security is a team sport. It's not, it's not something I'm um, keeping this close to the vest, right? Everyone wants healthcare to remain secure. So that that's great. Well, as we wrap up, we always like to end with some career advice or experience and ideas. So what's the best piece of advice that you've been given in your career? Um, for me, it's, it's really uh, con constantly go out there and learn. 
um, absorb from others, uh, find mentors in the industry, um, in technology or cybersecurity. There is a wealth of information out there that if you align with the right people and share data and share information, um, you pick up things in the, in the industry. Uh, you can always bounce ideas off of your pals in the industry and how that helps you kind of build your program. Um, through my career, I've had many, uh, the luxury of having many mentors um, and uh, people that I've absorbed information of, whether it's uh, even to the smallest thing of just how to conduct myself in a meeting better or how to absorb or be an active listener or how to document things or write up RFPs or you know, along the way, you just collect this little bit of information. I think that's the most valuable thing is everyone has uh, a little piece of information or a little attribute that you can attain and, and kind of uh, gather from that and experience and uh, include it into your own uh, self and move forward. Um, and hopefully more, more mentors come my way and I continue to expand <laughs> and grow, um, you know, uh, in, in addition to, you know, education and uh, going to get certifications and formal education always uh, helps uh, align your, your thought process and the way you really need to think about business. So um, all of those things combined, I think, uh, just make sure in the future uh, you, you pick up a book or you know, research something on the internet and continue to, to expand your knowledge of healthcare and IT. I love it. Be a sponge. You can always learn more. I love it. Thanks so much, Jesse. I appreciate you uh, being part of the podcast and I appreciate everyone for watching and listening. If you want to find the rest of the episodes in the CIO podcast, be sure to check it out at healthcareittoday.com or search for the CIO podcast by healthcareittoday.com on your favorite podcast and application. Thanks so much, Jesse. Thanks, John. 